0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: In the zeitgeist of the Pittsburgh mentality, yesterday's contest against the hapless, injured eagles provoked anxiety more so than exhilaration at extending a yet unblemished
0: record. We do not care. Go
1: Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is October 12th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Nick, besides the Steelers' unblemished record, it was a good weekend for us, too, as we go four for five in bet online competition. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go four out of five. Maybe
2: you can even go five out of five. Maybe your record can reflect the winning percentage of the Pittsburgh Steelers because bet online, they got all the action. You missed out on the NBA Finals if you haven't already hit it. Feel the FOMO, feel the regret. Get in on the action for the rest of the NFL season. Bet responsibly, but bet on. Line. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. How long is Adam Gase going to last? Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Maybe he'll last a while because he'll get him that number one pick. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet online. Ching. Your online sports book experts.
1: Steelers 38, Eagles 29. Our first 4 and 0 start since 1979, ending a 40 season drought, uh, the longest in the NFL. I'm betting there are some teams that have never had a 4 and 0 start, so the, the pool's a little uh, fewer than 32. But it's interesting that, that 38 points is the most since game. 10? 13? I don't know. Yeah, well, the last time in we scored a anywhere a long
2: near. time. We haven't yeah. scored 30 since, I November. think, week 13 of the uh, Week 10 the of 27. Yeah. Yeah. Either yeah. way, let, let's just agree. They haven't scored 30 points in a long time. Obviously, when you have Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges playing quarterback for you, you're really going to have trouble scoring 20 points. Okay, I have a couple things going through my head. Number one, I'm shocked that the Steelers haven't started 4-0 since... The '79 season—that feels insane, right? I mean, so many phenomenal Steelers teams. I mean, we've seen 15 and one and 14 and two teams just in the Ben era, and to say, oh, they haven't started four and zero before—it's pretty amazing. Yes, four and zero is a product of the schedule. They—if they had had to play the Ravens or maybe the Browns or someone earlier—they'd probably be three and one or whatever it is. But that doesn't matter because we know the Steelers especially under Tomlin, are always going to drop games in the first four games. They'll usually – here's how it usually happens. Within the first four games, they usually get slaughtered by the Ravens or the Patriots, who then they could play better later in the year. But if they're playing in September, it's a, it's going to be ugly usually. And then they will lose on the last play of the game to a three – eventual three-win team, usually playing a backup quarterback like Bruce Gradkowski or Mike Glennon or this or that. So – I'm tripling quadrupling down on the message that we've said before that, look, schedule luck and injury luck is part of winning the Super Bowl. And this is good that the Steelers, who are a team that needs some time to gel after not having been for a year, they're they're getting the benefit of a little bit of the schedule. Um I like that they've now played Carson Wentz, uh, who looked more like himself this past game. Uh, and they've played Deshaun Watson, two quarterbacks who are extremely dynamic playmakers because that's going to help the Steelers secondary get better over the course of the season. And I think we'll be talking about the secondary quite a bit today because they were, as they were, uh, I don't know if they were Antoine Blake era bad, but they were what we're used to seeing from the Steelers secondary over the past 15 years. Horrifically terrible, right? But let's get back to the actual, you know, the main point here. Was that not the most boring thirty-eight to twenty-nine game you had you'd ever seen? It just didn't feel like the Steelers ever had a rhythm. And of course, there's things to be alarmed about in this game. I, I'm not sounding alarm as a on the team in general. I wonder how much the uh, unanticipated bye week ruined for their momentum. But. I'm sorry, dude. The Eagles are a team of backups. They have a phenomenal defensive line. They have a quarterback who's very talented but was playing like crap the entire season, even against bad teams. And they had all backup offensive linemen and all backup wide receivers. And I know 13, Fulgham or whatever the guy's name is, everyone's trying to talk crap that the Steelers let this unknown guy get all these yards. I actually would say that's, that has a caveat. That guy actually looks pretty damn good. But, dude. I mean twenty nine points to a team with all backup players except for the quarterback? That's pretty brutal.
1: You keep calling me dude.
2: You're a dude. We're football dudes.
1: Before we get into the themes of the game, to your point, can we for a moment bathe in the glory of a rookie performance unparalleled in Steeler history? So that's a Chase line, Claypool, right? if you let's just extrapolate uh, a sample set of one and just called Claypool our number one receiver after that performance yesterday. So, Chase Claypool has four touchdowns, three passing touch receiving touchdowns and one run. There are only 17 other players that have done it in history and the last time it was done was 2012 by Doug Martin. The one player who has had more than four touchdowns in his rookie in one game in his rookie year was
2: I got the script right you're... here, so why don't you let him know? It's nice to see this guy's been making
1: a couple of appearances though recently. Seriously, it's weird. Gail Sayers with six. Yeah, the beast. I've got it. We've go. got to go back and look at that game.
2: Yeah, if you didn't watch the highlights, everybody, go back and watch them. We told you a couple weeks ago. Okay, the Claypool thing, it's the best thing we've seen in, in over a year and a half of Steelers football. I mean, it was glorious. Now, Mike Tomlin and even Chase Claypool himself played down the four-touchdown game, which, by the way, was a five-touchdown game. The best play of the day got called back from a quite literal Saints-Rams-level pass interference missed call. Now, of course, it wasn't in the championship game, but this was horrific. If you watch the replay, Claypool actually doesn't even make contact with the guy. He's going for a swim move, and he just stops his, his hand halfway through, mosses him, steps over him like a child, like Allen Iverson stepping over Tyrone Liu in that famous NBA clip, and waltzes into the end zone. So he was... Phenomenal. Now, Claypool and Tomlin made the point that, like, listen, it's kind of a product of what position he was in. Defenses are focusing on Juju, Ebron, and, and Deontay when Deontay plays his usual first quarter before getting injured by getting, you know, caught in a body bag between three people. But, uh, you know, the screen pass touchdown. Let's go through the screen pass and the reverse on the goal line those those were open. Those were phenomenal blocking, but he did a good job to have the burst and the size to speed through and finish the play. But it wasn't exactly like some incredible touchdown. Now, the post, that the kind of deep slant post route where he took past everybody, that was a nice play. I mean, yes, he was open, but a lot of guys get tackled there. And once he caught the ball, nobody had any chance. That's a preview of what's to come. And then, yes, the final touchdown, wide open. He had a Linebacker matched up on him for some reason, <laughs> blew by him, and Ben, you know, audible to change the play. There's a really cool uh, breakdown on Twitter. I don't know if it was a manual or somebody has a great uh, breakdown on Twitter showing how Ben audible to play and, and how the Eagles usually play this. But yeah, he was legitimately uncovered. And when he made that play. But again, so fast to be able to get the ball taken in the end zone and finish it off. And it's more just about the look. I mean, in every game, Chase Claypool has flashed. It is not insane to think that he'll be the Steelers' number one receiver by the end of the year. I mean, he has measurables... But you just, I mean, he's Julio Jones. He's like a DK Metcalf, but he can turn right and left. He's got phenomenal hands, as we see. There's nothing he can do. There's just a certain point where I don't care who you have against the guy. If he's bigger than you, faster than you, and he's coordinated, because we've seen big, fast guys who aren't coordinated, but he is, then he's uncoverable to a certain extent. So it was pretty beautiful seeing him break out that way. That's definitely the biggest positive of the game.
1: What's really weird is that he lasted for the Steelers to draft him. And maybe it's like you said. He didn't get to show off everything he could do at Notre Dame. It's true. And we, I was
2: just talking about this with somebody on Twitter. I'm going to try and find it and shout him out um, in a couple minutes here. But it's the same thing that happened to DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf was like the ninth receiver taken in the draft, something like that. Uh, even though he was kind of heralded even before the college season started as, look at this God, It's like Megatron is back. So it wasn't like he was some unknown guy, whereas Chase Claypool maybe didn't have as much press in a year when you had four (laughs) Alabama receivers, uh, you know, just breaking records. But Claypool is the 11th receiver taken in the draft in what is pretty much the consensus deepest wide receiver draft in history. And already five games into the season, a lot of these guys are are showing that they were worth the hype. But I think the big reason why he slid was – the quarterback plays horrific at Notre Dame. And for anybody who went back and watched those games, I mean, he didn't get the chance to go downfield and make vertical catches because the quarterback couldn't throw or he couldn't find him. And uh, it was tough times. And also, he did get a lot better over the course of his time at Notre Dame. Remember, he's from Canada, so he's a little bit raw. So I think there were reports of when he was early in his Notre Dame career, he didn't he didn't play as fast as his 40 times were, but he progressed and got better. And sometimes the NFL forgets about those guys, but yeah, he lasted a long time. I mean, there's, there's reason to believe that he could be the best out of all the receivers in this draft class. And we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Like we said, you know, the four or five touchdowns, not all of them were just him mossing somebody. You know, you think of a B's game against the Broncos when they had the no fly zone going, that's kind of a different story, but the truth is, you can see it on the field, and, and, and how he finishes is incredible. So that was pretty glorious.
1: You and I were talking during the game, and you were wondering what the personality of this offense is, or what is the what is the characteristic that defines the offense? Because it was really tough to discern where the emphasis was. And the more yeah. you know, I look back on it, it actually the confusion might be a huge benefit for the Steelers. There were, I didn't, I still haven't seen the stat on this, but the number of personnel packages was astounding in this game. Like, I think everybody yeah. got in except for Tomlin.
2: I think you're right. I think um, it's something that I need to look more in depth at, and I haven't had time to watch the All-22, which I'm going to do tonight. Um, but there's things to like about the offense. It looked like Matt Canada was calling the plays this time because how many reverses did they run? Like five, six, eight? I mean, they ran so many reverses, and actually most of them were pretty successful. I think we can all agree that Ray Ray McLeod, I mean, we told you. We told you guys. When they signed him in the offseason, never heard of the guy before, realized his name is Ray Ray McLeod, laughed to myself saying, the NFL let the Steelers the wide receiver factory, Pittsburgh Steelers, get a receiver named Ray Ray McLeod. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And pretty much every time he's touched the ball this year, he's made a great play on every one of his kicker turns. Then you give him the ball in the reverse Oh, no big deal. 54-yard run, where he just is the fastest guy out on the field. You know, some, some guy's got an angle on him, but wow, he can explode those glories. But back to the overall offensive strategy. There's some really alarming things about the offense and how clunky it is. Because let me just remind you, the defensive front for the Eagles is phenomenal. I think they were actually first in sacks coming into this game until the Steelmen ripped that out of their hands and the Steelers are back at first. You know Fletcher Cox. We know Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, a bunch of good guys over there. Other than that, their linebackers in secondary are quite literally trash. You know, So I I just – I'm trying to figure out what the strategy was. The positives are this. They look like they're starting to build more plays off of the fake reverses and the misdirections instead of having them just as window dressing. In the first few weeks, they'd do those reverses, but they wouldn't often hand it off. They you know, they like to hand it to Chase in those short situations. They He sealed the game either against the Giants or, or the Broncos with a reverse, uh, which is the same play that he scored off on the goal line. And they've used it for a fourth down conversion as well. So that's going to branch off into my other points, which is the predictability of the offense concerns me in an extreme way. But the positive parts are they are building something off of that motion and off of the play action, which is something that we've wanted for a long time. The only thing is it looks like they're trying to play like the 49ers and the Patriots and the Saints, but it's just so clunky. I mean, there's, there seems to be no rhythm. I think at one point Ben had like, 12 completions for 60 yards and it's a dink and dunk that just isn't that smooth they definitely have the receivers for it but i just feel like you're not taking advantage of what ben does the best which is intermediate and deep passing and i'm not saying you need to only do that but they need to do it more and every time they turn to it ben would gash them for a big gain so you're going to get away against the eagles with this kind of stuff Uh, Jim Schwartz, his defensive game plan is usually like every three plays blitz everybody, no matter what the situation is or what team you're playing against. So he's not really at the top of the list as far as defensive coordinators go. But when you play the Ravens, you better believe they're going to know what's coming. My big problem with the Steelers is the predictability. Watch, they're going to run that Chase Claypool reverse again on the goal line or in a fourth and one situation. And I really wish that they would fake the reverse in that standpoint and bootleg out. Because that's what you're supposed to do. You get these successful plays, and then you build counters off of them because everybody's so scared to see this play. If I can tell you they're running a reverse to chase on the goal line, I know that the Ravens will be able to tell you. So I would say that's just something to watch out for. They run a lot of the same plays in a lot of situations. We know the damn second down runs, second and 22. They ran out of I formation after the called back touchdown from Chase Claypool. But that's what I would keep an eye on. They have a lot of predictability. When a play works... Feitner literally presses L on Madden and flips it to the other side and runs it again. It's uncanny. He doesn't even change the motion. He does the exact same thing. This disturbs me. You can get away uh, with this against the absolute garbage fire uh, defenses the Steelers
1: have played so far, but they just need to push the ball a little bit more, I think. So what do you think uh – do you have any clues to the effect Matt Canada's had on this team? Do you, I mean, does it look like that's what's going on with well, all this that's motion? The yeah,
2: that's what I've been thinking. That re, The reverses never even happened for the Steelers, really. I mean, a couple times a year you'd see one and they'd usually lose 15 yards. But, yeah, I, I feel like Matt Canada, this was his coming out party. All the reverses and all the dink and dunk. And my, my theory to the dink and dunk and Ben having, you know, 12 completions for 60 yards or whatever, I guess it's just hey, we can't we don't want to have Ben sit back there and try to throw the ball intermediate and deep because this defensive line is going to get after him in a big way. And they did. Like, they were breaking through, but they only got one sack, and he got the ball out of his hands. And maybe they thought, these linebackers are so bad for Philadelphia, they can't, Philadelphia they can't cover. So we're just going to pick them apart underneath and just be patient. And at the end of the day, he scored 38 points. So that's where it's just, it, it just feels, it feels weird to me, but I, I just get concerned with the predictability. I think the Matt Canada influence is very interesting. We're only four games into his you know, tenure in terms of helping out with the offense, and they didn't have a preseason. So in some ways you can look at this and be like, this is actually pretty intriguing, and, and they've been very good at finding matchups. Just how um, Mike Tomlin mentioned, Claypool's getting awesome matchups because they're dedicating a lot of attention to Deontay, Juju, and Ebron. And if you have an offense that's a little bit more versatile like this one is, you could take advantage of those matchups. So it it, it remains to be seen what they can do.
1: Let's look at a critical advantage the Steelers have on offense, and that is depths. If you look at um, one of the reasons... Playpool gets such good good matchups is there are too many guys to watch. Unfortunately, Johnson's seeming to be the the uh, James Conner of the wide receiving core. That, no. That's a problem. The offensive line, you know, six years ago, we would have called it a patchwork, but Dotson does well. Dotson's the core great. four does really well. Obviously, yep. filers a proven entity. I mean, mm-hmm. the problem is we are sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel now. I mean, fortunately, Ray-Ray McLeod turns out to be the real deal, <laughs> but after that, um James Pierre, or is he a DB? He is a DB, DB, but he'll come out as a wide receiver because he's the next guy up.
2: No, they have a lot of guys. They there is tremendous that it's incredible, right? And I've, even Ebron had a well. You can't say he had a great game because, dude. <laughs> all those fan bases of the teams that he's played for have been talking crap online about how he drops the ball all off season, and uh, it reared its ugly head there that was pretty brutal um he, both times he dropped the ball he's kind of going up in between three people and I guess that's kind of the difference right between a finesse guy and a Heath Miller who's gonna come down and pull it down and get hit in the head and he's gonna hold on to it
1: well, he didn't exactly grab that second one out of the air, the one that they, they called uh, uh, eventually just an incomplete pass. But what was really bothering me is when you watched while they were reviewing the play, Ebron pretty much would berating himself. You know, the hand slapping the side of the helmet, really down on himself about that. And it makes me worried that it's in his head. Like, I have a reputation for dropping the ball. I just dropped the ball. Yeah,
2: I think it is. Uh, he's a very emotional guy. And he, even... Um, ramon foster had tweeted during the game before those fumbles that ebron was a great pickup ebron found that tweet after the game and like retweeted and said that like thanks for the love to ramon which was really cool actually but he also said if those guys hadn't made uh two dope plays like i would have had a great game and i'm sitting there thinking like no you you fumbled it dude like you don't act like it was some unbelievable play. It was like some Odell Beckham-like effort. Like, you, you fumble. Like, you got to accept that, right? Because if you're saying that's not the problem, then you're not going to address the issue.
1: You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, so troubling. I ho- hopefully he can get his head in the game and just, you know, put that put these plays behind him and not drop anymore. Yeah. So. They are dusting off the effigy and gathering kindling for Keith Butler's bonfire.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, Keith and Mike, right? Because it seems like they're sort of tethered at the hip at this point, as we've well, said.
1: Well, Keith, Keith is at the front of the plank. His he's toes are man. at the edge, yeah.
2: Yeah, he's the uh, sacrificial lamb, right? What is going on with this secondary? I mean, you, you never first off, you never get to see Minka Fitzpatrick in frame. So in one standpoint... That's nice because it means teams just don't want to throw at him. So that's an advantage for the Steelers. You get one area of the field taken away. The disadvantage is this guy's unbelievable at plucking the the ball out of the air and returning it. So we need to find a way to get him around the ball. I mean, you never saw Ed Reed disappear for for games at a time, right? The Steelers haven't had the luxury of having a center fielder type guy like we have in in, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick because obviously Troy was the Tasmanian devil. He was all over the place. But... So I can't speak too much to Minka, but Steven Nelson, is. this is proof that football stats are as close to inconsequential as, as you possibly could be when it comes to, to statistics. Because he had two interceptions in one of the worst games of his career. The plan at a certain point was find Steven Nelson and throw at him, and he couldn't even get within two steps of the guys. You know, Hayden had a couple plays, and then he had a couple plays where he got absolutely burned. You know, that touchdown to Greg Ward, that's just disappointing. That's a college quarterback who just ran on an out route and got three steps on you, man. I mean, I know that you're one-on-one on an island, but, yeah, those guys are looking a little bit rough in coverage, and that secondary just got shredded by a bunch of backups.
1: And we had our, our, one of our favorite guys, the Silver Bullet, who gave a nice, how, how do you do homecoming to Miles Sanders for, what was it, 58, 59-yard run?
2: Even, even the
1: silver bullet let us down. But besides that, he was phenomenal. And
2: it just shows that we're not going to be able to afford Mike Hilton. They figured out the blitz thing with him again. Every time he blitzes, he either sacks the quarterback or tackles the running back. It's unbelievable. He's a phenomenal player. But, yeah, big boneheaded play on that 57 or something like that, 57-yard touchdown in the first half on a freaking draw on third down. Elite defenses don't do that. The Steelers' defense is – I mean, they're in trouble against the
1: Browns. It is a problem when you look at the box score and you see five sacks and two interceptions, and we're talking this way, but – watching the game, it, it felt like, you know, they were calling yeah. for 10 sacks in this game. This is, this is what always makes me crazy.
2: Yeah, well, Carson Wentz is amazing at avoiding sacks, so you just have to give him a couple. I mean, remember all those days when Ben would do that to people, shake people off, and you just knew, like, as a Steelers fan, you watch every game, so you think for the other fan base, like, listen, you can't be that mad. This happens every week. Like, you're not going to tackle him. So that's okay because they did a good job, you know, limiting that, but... Again, stats lie. Watch the game. I mean, when the Eagles wanted to go downfield, they could do it with impunity. It's just their luck ran out at the end, and luckily the Steelers' offense scored 38 damn points because 29 points to a bottom-ranked offense, that's horrific. That's horrible. I don't care about your five sacks. And by the way, the two interceptions, he threw the ball right to them both times. That was just Carson Wentz. That wasn't good defense. So – I, I am alarmed. And we'll talk about the Browns matchup a little bit at the end of this of this game. I don't think the Steelers defense is ready. I think that they're gonna get a little bit of a rude awakening. Hopefully they get the Tomlin bump, the Tomlin team bump, because I think the emotions are gonna be running extremely high. But right now they just don't have their crap together. And once again, maybe that was the fourth game of preseason. Maybe that, you know, that helps you, but there just wasn't a lot encouraging beyond you know the beasts we know with TJ and Bud was incredible he's he's continuing his campaign for a massive deal somewhere out of Pittsburgh uh, Cam Hayward to it was to it's been getting better every single week you're really noticing him come uh, show up a lot Vince Williams I think still leading the league in tackles for a loss even with with a bye week on his resume but so those guys were good but the secondary is like in shambles right now I'm not sure what's going on there
1: Can we talk about the Chase Claypool of the Philadelphia Eagles, Travis Fulham? I
2: think looking at his stats,
1: so he is—he's actually a local product out of Alexandria, Virginia. Nice. He went to Old Dominion. Walked on. um, Walked on. He did have a thousand-yard senior season, but he had three targets last year for Detroit, and then he comes to this game, and on he's twelve of sixteen targets for two hundred nine yards. Two touchdowns. He, he did the, the guy is six two two fifteen. I mean he's he's yeah. the real size. I don't know how fast he is, but he was fast enough yesterday.
2: He looks six four. That's interesting. So He yeah. must be all muscle. But by the way, he also won them the game the week prior against the San Francisco 49ers. Saved their season. Carson Wentz threw a dime on a go ball at the end of the fourth quarter to him, and he beat his man. I don't remember who was covering him, but he beat him and made a beautiful catch with the corner draped all over him. Pretty much to win the game. So he can't, we knew who he was coming in. And then he just was phenomenal against the Steelers. I'm not saying he's Josh Gordon, but it does remind me of when Josh Gordon had the 215 yard game against the Steelers, and we were like, "Who? I think this guy's actually good."
1: Well, here's what you're wondering: is he was targeted three? He had two receptions on three targets last week for 57 yards. He had a critical touchdown. It's just weird. Like, how this guy is this guy the real deal? And we're just everybody's just noticing it now, having gone through a through a full training camp last year and everything
2: well and you know, then being the big go by are Detroit poop show and uh, maybe Carson sometimes it takes a great quarterback to really get you ready and I think Carson is in love with this guy now and he's going to make him his target and uh, cuz what I saw from him is man he's got great body control and great hands so it's just alarming how open he was on a lot of the catches and I think what's happening right now some of its players cuz Steven Nelson is looking brutal right now I think that's a confidence thing cornerbacks are a confidence position man I mean they can They can dip. Their play can dip, and it can raise with the level of their confidence. It is the hardest job outside of quarterback. You're out there on an island. Every rule is designed to not let you win your matchup. The offense knows where they're going. You don't. I mean, it's extremely hard, and your confidence determines a lot of your success. But otherwise, I think it's just another example over the many years with teams know how to exploit the Steelers' zone defenses. And Doug Peterson is a really good offensive coordinator and he's played the Steelers a number of times before. So there are teams that get a bead on the Steelers' zones. That's why you see guys so wide open. That's people manipulating a zone coverage. And Keith Butler and Mike Tallman do have to get on their P's and Q's for that, and they got to find a way to, uh, you know, it's so frustrating because even when they only rush three guys, they they converted a third and seventeen to basically an uncovered wide receiver, and it was a three-man rush. You know, eight guys in coverage. So even when you don't have to blitz all the time, which was kind of the Steelers' MO for this whole year so far, there's still guys getting open.
1: Yeah, they're really carving us up.
2: They are carving us up. Now, I'll say this. It's crucial that you don't carve yourself up when you're handling all your below-the-belt grooming. And Manscaped is here to make sure the man... You're escaped and you're safe in their hands. Listen, the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer. I would say it's the premium electric trimmer, and it's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Believe me, gentlemen, it works. Look good, feel good, you know the rest, right? Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your your little fellows down low, right? It's also waterproof. comes with an LED light, so you can manscape in the shower in the dark or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat, Uh, Prince Caspian. Why don't you try that on for size? They got the Shears 2.0 nail kit so they can help with your nails. They got bombs. They got anti-chafing cream, crop reviver. Uh, they got uh, you know hair products, everything for men's grooming. It's all beautiful. It's all designed by the greatest scientists on God's green earth. I use it. I completely uh, swear by the product myself. I just used it earlier today. Can't lie to you. In fact, listeners of the show will get 20% off of free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use that code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk.
1: Wow, oh, still uncomfortable with that commercial after yep. all that time, but we can talk about something else. And Because I, I just looked at our account And it continues to grow week after week. I think um, we're looking at some of the best odds in odds-making history. History.
2: That's right. I agree. Because Bet Online has got us covered with that. Football is in full effect. You missed. You missed the NBA Finals. Why'd you do that? Bet on baseball. Maybe it'll be interesting. Bet on football. Just take the, I mean, that's just a, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But if you are going to bet, you have to do it with Bet Online because they have the best props. They have the best lines. They have more spread and total that you can bet on. Team, player, coaching props. They got more options than any other place online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Support the pod. Support Bet Online. Bet Online. Ching, your online sports book experts.
1: Ben Roethlisberger celebrated his 148th career win as a starting quarterback, and he ties John Elway for the most wins by any quarterback nice. who's played his entire career with one team.
2: Nice. That is his longevity. Hero. His hero. The reason why he wears number seven. It's pretty glorious. Now, can you tell me this real quick? Where is the Steelers game against the Browns coming up this week? In Pittsburgh or in Cleveland? Because if it is in Cleveland more history can be made because Baker Mayfield this past week with a huge win over the Indianapolis Colts took first place in Cleveland Browns history in terms of wins at first energy bank stadium. He passed Ben Roethlisberger for the all time win mark at their uh, stadium. So where are we playing next week? Cause I want uh, Ben to take It's not going to happen.
1: It's Damn. not going to happen next week.
2: Well, maybe we can beat them so badly that they go on a tremendous losing streak and Ben gets back to First Energy Bank later this season and claims back his rightful record.
1: Right. <laughs> well, you've been watching a lot of football, haven't you? That's so let's talk about uh let's talk about a couple of concerning injuries. One I already mentioned that uh Johnson had a blow to the back. I think Man, is what his Can we talk uh, about him real him.
2: quick before we talk about Pouncey and DeCastro? Sure. Johnson, uh, we hyped him up so much this offseason. I feel very comfortable with the level of hype we gave him and other Steelers fans. When he has the ball in his hands or when he's running routes, he is everything that we thought he was. I mean, his ability to make people miss right now in the NFL is really top tier, like a top 10 type guy in that, in that regard. Man, he's got a lot of weird little idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies that he needs to fix about his game, though. Obviously, we know about the ball security. That was an early-season issue. But learning how to take a hit, I mean, he needs to figure this out because every time he's on a kick return, he tries to reverse his field, and some guys can, can do that, and he definitely can make some big plays off of it, but he always gets crunched by two or three guys. He needs to figure out a way to get down or sort of shimmy in between people. You know, I hate to always use the Antonio Brown comparisons, but there's just so many similarities between the guys. They're like almost the exact same size, at least when AB was his age, he was a little smaller. Abe, you never saw AB take huge hits like that, unless he was, you know, a hit was put out on him and Vontae's perfect delivered it when he's not looking, right? You have to learn how to like live to see another day, and worm your way around so that you don't get high load every time you touch the ball. I mean, that's two games in a row where he's been high loaded by somebody, and he gets crunched and doubled over, and it's just – he's too small to play that way. He's not going to be able to make it through a full season. So I really hope that he's okay, and I really hope he learns from this because, you know, we're talking about Chase Claypool potentially being the Steelers' number one receiver, and that can very well happen. But, oh, my gosh, the duo of Claypool and, and Deontay for the next few years, that could be the best duo in the league or, or one of them, you know? So I just – it's a little thing that people don't talk about with football players, but that is a skill, avoiding car crashes.
1: Right. At this point, he is questionable for next week, as are Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro. Pouncey left very late, last last series, right, with a foot injury. DiCastro left earlier with an abdominal injury.
2: And that's Again, a different injury from what he had in training camp, right? David yeah, he a lower
1: body, undesignated lower body injury. He's
2: playing hockey or something. Got messed yeah, up had a body.
1: He, he had a Charlie horse.
2: Oh, man. That, just look at what the Steelers are going through with this offensive line. They've had good luck the past few years with offensive line health. And right now, let's just hope they have good luck in terms of these injuries only being for a week or two. Luckily, Kevin Doxon looks, Dotson looks phenomenal. And I'm sure he'll be able to step in. Do not want to see Pouncey out for any, uh, you know, extended period of time. This is not a good week for this with Miles Garrett. At least he's more of an outside guy, but I'm sure they will find a way to move him, to get him matched up on those, you know, younger offensive linemen. But, uh, yeah, the injuries are concerning. But once again, the depth is just phenomenal. So you have to tip your hat to Kevin Colbert because the receivers, there's plenty of guys who can make plays without Deontay, and the line has some guys who can, you know, step up. And I think the starting line should be good. Let's just hope... You don't lose anybody else Hope they stay healthy because, yeah, a a bunch of different reasons. So do you want to talk any more about – I just want to check anything off of our list. Like what haven't we covered here? If you look at the running backs, Connor looks good. He doesn't have many holes to run through, I'm noticing. But when he does, I mean he's violent with it, and it's nice to see him looking healthy. He looked like he had his burst back as opposed to a couple weeks ago. The receivers, there's not much to say outside of Claypool. Everyone looks the same. Everyone's looking good. I I am – Actually, here's one thing we can talk about. How unbelievably unselfish is this group of receivers? In Juju, I mean, think about what will be happening with A.B. right now. Or even Alan Robinson demanding a trade in Chicago. which I mean, part of that I understand. you got to go from Christian Hackenberg to Blake Bortles to Mitch Trubisky. That's, that's tough. But, like, Juju, there is no issue in the receiver room. I mean, someone like James Washington, wouldn't you think he'd be pissed, like, I'm a second-round pick. I'm not even getting an opportunity. These guys are incredibly selfless, and this is a, a joy to watch them. And you don't know who's going to have the big game. And, you know, we'll see because you sure know that the Browns are going to be focusing
1: on Claypool next week. Well, when you look at the receive, those who receive targets, um, one person kind of stands out for me just because of an interview he gave this week, and that's Vance McDonald. No, he's not a wide receiver, right. but – he was, uh, you know, he was the guy that were throwing the ball to when the wide receiver was involved in a play, and he came out this week and said, "You know what? I'd rather be a good blocker." And it shows. You don't hear a complaint from these guys. James Washington, to your point, was targeted four times, had three receptions for twenty five yards. Juju, it may be a function of him, the, the coverage on him. Although, you know, he, you know, we, were sh- we were throwing short um, crossing patterns. You'd think that he could get more of an opportunity, but. Yeah. Other than Claypool getting 11 targets, Ben really spread the ball around.
2: Yeah, he does, and he didn't throw an interception either. I mean, how many times have we been four games in a season? Ben doesn't throw an interception. How many touchdowns does he have? Ten on the year right now.
1: I mean, uh, we'll check. But you know what? It, it may be a function very that he's not. Th- yes, but maybe it's also a function of him not throwing downfield. And For if sure. I can get these next gen stat charts to work. Uh, I'd like to see how many times compared to two years ago he was going past 10 yards, 10, 20 yards.
2: Oh, it's going to be dramatic, but that's a great point, and I totally agree. Like the, I want them to throw the ball downfield a little bit more because I know they have the capability to do it, number one, and I know they're going to need to do it when you play against these good teams. I mean, the the Steelers, roster-wise, coaching-wise, they should be in the echelon with the Chiefs and the— uh, Ravens and and the Bills even just look a little bit smoother than the Steelers do right now. They they should be in that echelon, but they need to be a little bit more aggressive to get there. And you know, step on the damn throat of these little teams that keep uh, popping up like little gnats. Um, but I also know the interceptions will go up a little bit with that, but so will the big plays. So I hope that they do that a little bit more. Thought the offensive line was good. Again, let's keep an eye on the. Uh, the uh, injuries. I think we talked about the defense already. I mean, a lot of this is they got to figure out how to get pressure without blitzing everybody all the time. And then they have, which shouldn't be a problem, because if you have a three-man rush, they got three or four guys who are pretty damn good at winning their matchups. But then when you have seven, eight guys in coverage, figure out how to cover people, okay? This zone defense thing is, is alarming. So is, um, you know, what's his name, Steven Nelson's performance. Although, who knows? Maybe those two interceptions, even though they were doo-doo, maybe they help his, con- his confidence a little bit. I mean, it helps to have those stats and, and kind of feel like you're producing that way, so I hope it does. Uh, special teams, not much to be said. Ray-Ray McLeod, he's the best player in the NFL. Boz, looking good. Coaching, you know, I hate them playing down to teams, but at the end of the day, they did seem to have, um, you know, they won the game. And they did a good job with that. And by the way, like the, the referees, I mean, it was brutal. The the pass I mean the Steelers benefited off of one pass interference early in the game that was not a pass interference but this is as bad as I've seen them and and the game should have been over with Chase Claypool's catch and where he stepped over the guy so you do know like we said a few weeks ago like you're gonna have games where the refs are horrible and you need to win those games and they did so let's give them credit for that I'll say this about Ben and Juju and Claypool, there were a couple really nice back shoulder plays. And those, to me, are high-level passing offense plays, high-level quarterback, high-level receiver. So you know that he can do that. He can still push it down the field. He had a couple rifles that he, that he shot in there, so that's nice to see. Um, do you have anything else on the rest of the game, or do you want to kind of move on to just a quick little preview of the Browns before we wrap up here?
1: I just asked whether you saw anything about crowd noise. I think they let in 5,500 people, and we have no idea whether we're hearing recorded crowd sound right. or you could actually hear the crowd.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it was a Didi Kinkobala or, or somebody. I hope I'm not misattributing this, but somebody tweeted who was at the game that, by the way, like what was it, 5,000 fans, Dad, 5,500 or mm-hmm. something? Yeah. They said, yeah. by the way, 5,000 fans is way louder than artificial crowd noise. So it does wow. sound like it's made a little bit of a difference, although the Steelers didn't take too much advantage of that home field advantage, right? But uh, yeah, it sounds, I mean it, it's nicer to have at least a couple people in the building.
1: So the Browns travel to Pittsburgh next week with a 4-1 and one record.
2: And they look good. I, I, okay, you guys might know on the podcast, sometimes I overrate them and, and Steelers fans will just tell me, they're the Browns, they're the Browns. But you know, at the same time, you could have said that about the Seahawks before the Legion of Boom. Like the Seahawks, I didn't even I was an NFL fan for two, three years when I was a little kid, and I didn't even know the Seahawks were a damn team. You know, they were irrelevant. And then but then eventually they became the Seahawks that we know now, right? What about the Buccaneers? They were a piece of crap, and then they got that Warren Sapp team. So it happens. Teams turn it around and I just see the players, the offensive line is stacked. The quarterback is incredibly talented, and we've seen him have success before. So it's not just, oh, Baker's talented. Like No, we've seen him play well. Luckily, he's not killing it right now. It's not like he's leading them there. You have maybe the most talented receiver I've ever seen outside of Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss. You got Odell Beckham Jr., who seems to be coming on now, unfortunately. Jarvis Landry. We can go through the laundry list of players they have. And then Miles Garrett is just, you know, he's a Steeler killer. He has huge games every time he plays Steeler.
1: I have a question. I actually have a prop bet. Are right. he and Mason going to shake hands before the game?
2: That is a great prop bet. I bet you yes, because uh, Miles was trying to say, like, oh, I'll be willing to talk to him, you know, in, in his PR campaign. Uh, I'm sure very heartfelt and sincere. So I bet you he'll try to do it.
1: Well, look, the Browns are putting up some big points. They have one game where they haven't scored thirty, and that was the first game against Baltimore where they lost thirty-eight to six. Since then, they've beaten the Bengals with thirty-five points, Washington thirty-four points, Dallas forty-nine, and the Colts thirty-two. Not that any of these teams are going to the Super Bowl, save the Baltimore Ravens to whom they lost. Right. But that is uh, that is prolific production at a time when right now we haven't our secondary isn't giving us confidence.
2: It's really alarming. The Colts have a very good defense, so that's the most alarming one. Washington has a lot of talent on defense, but they're also Washington. And then Cincinnati and who was the other team? Who else did they uh, Dallas. Oh, Dallas. Those defenses are pu- – I mean, you should score 50 points on those defenses. They're
1: horrific. They almost did, 49.
2: Right. Um, so – I'm just worried that they found their identity now. They can pound you with that run game. Now, luckily, Kareem, um, you know, Nick Chubb, superstar running back, uh, first string running back for them, is not playing. Now, unluckily, all they do is slide in another all-pro in Kareem Hunt to back him up. So their run game is bludgeoning. I have told you guys on the podcast before, I do not get overly concerned as a Steelers fan when we have a decent defense, I don't get concerned about running teams. The Steelers seem to have a way to be able to bottle people up. And, hey, look at uh, Miles Sanders had the 76-yard run. Other than that, he had five yards in the entire game. Saquon Barkley, I know they have no line. I think he had 12 carries for negative eight yards. I mean, the Steelers can handle the run. But they're gonna, can they handle the play-action pass? Because when you have play-action to a guy like Odell who can get downfield, who won't be covered by anybody based on the Steelers game this past week, that's alarming. I also think the emotions are going to be unbelievably high. Now, this should be interesting with no crowd there. It would be helpful, damn, if the Steelers crowd was there especially, but there's hatred between these two teams now. The Browns are my new Bengals. Now that Burfect and Pac-Man Jones and all those guys are gone, uh, you know, the Ravens' hatred and Patriots' hatred is there, but it's not the same as Burfect and, and Cincinnati crowd members trying to intentionally injure people. The, uh, the Miles Garrett thing spurred their, the Cleveland Browns fans to come out of the woodwork, and that's where I drew the line because the, the level that this fan base, their delusion, I guess it put everything into perspective for me, right? Because I used to think that the Browns had the best fans in the NFL because um, like, they're the worst pro sports team. They are, their name is a joke. When you say the Browns, you laugh because it's funny how bad they are and that their uniforms are based off of poop, okay? That's what they are. That's the Browns. Everybody knows, oh, the Browns, they're the worst team, ha-ha. Or maybe a guy gets fired from his job, and the boss is like, I'm sorry, but you know your performance level is equivalent to, I don't know, the Cleveland Browns. And the guy goes, oh, ha-ha. That's embarrassing, right? The Browns are a joke. And they suck, and so do their fans. But after that uh, Miles Garrett injury, so I thought, okay, if you can root for this team that wins one game a year by the way they had the team ripped away from them and if i ripped away i mean voluntarily left cleveland to go to baltimore oh oh beautiful blue sky green grass baltimore you your team left you to go to baltimore half of them probably got murdered the instant they got there and the other were, oh let's go on a tour of an old ship in the harbor oh we got lost because we're idiots We play for the Browns. No, you guys play for the Ravens now. Oh, okay. And then they got their crap together, and then the Ravens became a glorious franchise. Okay, as much as we hate to admit it. But if you can cheer for that team and you lead a grassroots movement to get the team back, to get a new team after it was ripped out of your hands, you must be a great football fan until the Miles Garrett thing happened because the Miles Garrett thing is – So, uh, obviously a case of, oh my gosh, I would be embarrassed if if a player from my favorite team did that, and I would be able to admit, okay, that was probably like a step too far. I'm not saying I would say he should be suspended or anything else, but I sure as hell wouldn't come down and defend him for going full psycho mode and taking a helmet off and beating somebody over the head with it. I wouldn't defend it, right? I'd say probably 90% of the Cleveland fan base. Defends that action, doubles it down, hates Pittsburgh, constantly posting things about Pittsburgh because we are the girlfriend that they could never get. We're the girlfriend where the guy grows up and he's been a, he's been a nerd his whole life. He's in high school, he spends 25% of his time inside of a locker. He grows up, he moves to Silicon Valley. He creates an app that uh, delivers shoes to uh, fashion moguls, right? Made from Spanish leather. He is killing it. Uh, But he doesn't actually do any of the fashion part. He just did the spreadsheets, and he had made an amazing algorithm. He doesn't know fashion. He wears Toms. I don't know. And he comes back, high school reunion, 20th year high school reunion. He's like, you know what? Kimberly, she's going to talk to me now. She's going to see how rich I am and how successful I am. And and actually, my beard came in quite nicely. And I've really evolved as a man. And My voice dropped. My balls dropped. I'm ready to go. And I'm going to talk to Kimberly. And Kimberly does not know who you are, sir. And she sees that you're wearing Toms, and she does not care. And she's going to go back out with Dwayne, who's the star quarterback. And he was the Steelers in high school. And guess what Dwayne's doing now? He just won three Super Bowls in a row because he's also the starting quarterback for the Steelers in 2040. All right? That's what the Browns are to us. And I hate them, and I think the Steelers hate them too. And, uh, yeah, so I think their emotions will be running really high for the game. And I am very worried because the Browns have an identity. They know what they do on offense. The Steelers kind of change it up every week. Please attack downfield. Damn it. For the love of God. Stop running on every second and long. We all know you're going to do it. Everybody knows. Damn you. Okay? And uh, besides that, just be careful because Odell hasn't had a big statistical season, but he will go deep and beat the damn Browns and take them off with their little 4-1 high horse.
1: Let us take this out of here on in a crescendo of emotion. Visit the website, www.stealersoutpost.com, Instagram at Steelers Outpost, Twitter at Steelers Outpost, or send us an email at steelersoutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Kimberly's the Pink Power Ranger.
2: Okay, bye-bye.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.